You're listening to The Voyager in association with Turkish Airlines on Monocle 24. Hello and welcome to The Voyager here on Monocle 24. Monocle's travel show spotlighting outposts of opportunity for business, pleasure and inspiration all around the world. I'm Steve Bloomfield. This week we're in Ho Chi Minh City, where your host is Monocle's Nolan Giles. I'm standing on the steps of the century-old Saigon Opera House in Ho Chi Minh City, overlooking the busy streets and squares that make up its central district. This section of Vietnam's largest city might best tell the story of a place truly in transition. Before me, construction workers on their break play cards on the street beside the Grand Intercontinental Hotel, the name of its Le Bourgeois restaurant hinting at the days when this city was once French-owned Saigon. There's other French names too. Hermès and Chanel boutiques adorn the opulent Rex Arcade nearby. The New Mall's neighbour is a huge construction site covered in socialist red promo banners. It's soon to become a stop on the multi-billion dollar mass rapid transit network, which will run through the city. In the distance I can spot the Batexco Financial Tower, with its prominent cantilever helipad jutting out from the 52nd floor. There's a stark contrast here between the old and the new. Rickety street food carts roll past Louis Vuitton flagships. Ho Chi Minh City is stepping into the future whilst not forgetting its past. To find out more, I'm journeying into one of Saigon's 1920s Art Deco buildings here in District 1 to meet architects Hoan Tran and Archie Pizzini who plan to take me through the colourful urban fabric of this city. You begin to become used to it after a while and, and understand that it's not chaos. It's actually an order made up out of disorder. Uh, so there's, there are systems working behind all of this. And that's what's so interesting uh, uh, when you start to understand that, that it's all very small scale. And all these small scale systems, all these small scale uh, you know, businesses, uh, these entrepreneurs and the tiny little spaces that they occupy and the public spaces they occupy all mesh together in a, in a lifestyle. Just moving away from, from your practice and looking, I guess, a little bit more broadly at the creative industries here, a lot of the city's opening up and the country's opening up to a lot of foreign businesses. Is the creative industries changing here? Oh, I think recently it's been very good with a lot of um, young new faces coming in from outside and a lot of the local uh, people from uh, within. I think the, the younger generation, uh, because of their, um, like, like we were talking earlier about the exposure uh, to um, fabrics that they found in, in Saigon and also, you know, obviously from the internet and from the media, uh, I, think, I think the, the young, uh, the, there's a lot ahead. For them, it's really nice to see. The local architects are, are interesting too. Some of the very the younger ones are actually opening up these venues and uh, cafes and things that they design themselves, or, or they or sketch groups or photography groups. And uh, what's interesting is that there's there's not a lot of planning involved. There's not a lot of you know uh, business plans or et cetera, et cetera. And, 
probably not a lot of focus on making money or, or whatever, but but uh, but it, it kind of goes a little bit along with the Saigon, uh, maybe the yeah. sort of way of doing things. Or just, if you feel like doing something, just just do it, and then deal with whatever happens later. And uh, it's a very energized sort of thing, especially among the among the younger the Mies designers and architects. With a national median age of 29, the young faces of a creative community propelling Vietnam forward are everywhere in Ho Chi Minh City. In another historic quarter, Le Com Cue, commonly known as Antique Street, I've come to meet Lihin Min and Greg Jewett, who are deviating from the tried and true practices of their neighbors with a new approach to Min's family business. Hello, Greg. Hi. How are you? Nolan, nice to meet welcome. you. Welcome, welcome to our shop. Thank you. Do you want to take a wander around? Absolutely. So, we've come upstairs and this space is a, a lot more sparing, a bit more, a bit more minimalist. What, what's, what's happening up here? Well, first I'd like to say that we're very inspired by this street and the thing that we try to emulate when it comes to this street is the shopping experience. This idea that you might find a treasure. I think that's why people are attracted to streets like this. Um, you never know what you're going to find. It's different than going to a fashion boutique or something like that. We try to continue that feeling. Um, but our items are not as old and you don't really need to know anything about them in order to enjoy them. I think with this street here, even for me as a, as a dealer on Antique Street, the thing is you don't know whether it's real or not real, and, and it's a lot of them. So you walk into the shop and you feel scared almost. So with the shop up here, we, we call it Antique Street actually, we offer a, um, a little bit different that everything more curated and, and handpicked by, by me and Greg and you will not have the feeling of confusing and I think one thing with this street is like just like my mom generations um, everybody afraid to be different so everybody have similar items and same so you walk from the beginning to the end Every shop look very similar, but with my generations like younger, and we become less and less afraid of being different. So I would like to provide a totally different shop here, still inspired by Antique Street, but have a different approach. Pack your bags, get ready for takeoff, and let Turkish Airlines take you on a journey to more than 270 destinations in over 100 countries around the world, including Ho Chi Minh City. Turkish flies there seven days a week. With a fleet of more than 285 state-of-the-art aircraft, no destination is too far. Turkish Airlines, widen your world. With manufacturing a key driver of Vietnam's impressive annual growth, I've come to the city's outskirts to explore the dusty industrial Song Tang. 
The production facility I'm visiting is slightly smaller in scale than the metalworking plants and textile factories nearby. It's the home of Maru Chocolate, formed by two French expats who ditched nine to five corporate careers in 2010 to grow a luxury single origin chocolate brand across the globe from here in Ho Chi Minh City. First, let, let's crack a roasted bean open. You will see. Try this. Wandering around the factory and taking in its high-tech facilities and a bit of chocolate too, Samuel Maruta takes me through the brand's growth story. So the, the hint of chocolate you had before has become a really quite forceful chocolatey taste. First, we went looking for cocoa and it was February 1st, 2011 and we jumped on our bikes. We went around to uh, Baria, which is about 80 kilometers from, uh, from here, from downtown Ho Chi Minh City. And uh, we knew there was cocoa there, but we didn't know exactly where. So, you know, it was kind of, you know, let, let's ride and see what happens. So at some point, we glimpsed a, a sign by the side of the road that said cocoa and uh, cacao. And then we went inside the farm, we stopped and, you know, we started looking, poking, and, uh, and we left the farm with uh, two kilos of cocoa beans. And that was the beginning of Maru Chocolate, because with those two cocoa beans, when we came back to my house, we started playing, um, putting the beans in the roaster, peeling them by hand, putting them in a grinder until the grinder started um, dying. It was like a juicer, a blender. And, uh, and then we added sugar and we had something resembling chocolate, amazingly. A lot of our friends thought we were completely crazy, and you know, it's, it's still I, I still meet people all the time who say, you know, when you started, I really thought you were crazy, and and most people gave us, I think, a couple months at, at most until we realized how foolish we were being and uh, and going back to our normal jobs. But I think we saw an opportunity because. Uh, there was nothing being done with with cocoa in Vietnam, but we could see the appeal of the cocoa growing in Vietnam and something being made out of it in a, in a very grassroots way, uh, if the chocolate was going to be good. And that, that was the only question we had to resolve. Could we make good chocolate out of Vietnamese cocoa beans? And I think very, very quickly the, the answer was yes to that question. So as soon as we knew that even on a small scale we could create uh, good chocolate, then it was, you know, the rest was uh, marketing, so great packaging and then, and then scaling up from making chocolate one kilo at a time in the kitchen to making it in, in slightly larger quantities that would be viable from a commercial point of view. Leaving Song Tang, I'm heading over to District 2 with Samuel for a pint at Beercraft, the city's first craft beer bar. While Ho Chi Minh City has long had a thirst for beer, co-owner Tim Scott tells me things truly took off just a few years ago when a beer club craze gripped the city. It was, it was a little bit disappointing that there was nothing different but that concept of, of the beer club exploded and over the first year, you know, there were two or three beer clubs opening up every week and the whole beer phenomenon just went nuts. 
the one thing that they kind of missed was the beer. They, 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 nobody brought in anything different or unique. So this whole push of, of beers taking over the, the spirit sales and things like that, it, 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 it kind of paved the way for people to be passionate about beer. And then it was, it was just perfect timing that we came along and we took the next step and we offered uh, something totally different. The, f the first taste for Vietnamese people is, is normally uh, quite uh, a shock because they're not used to the bitterness, they're not used to the, the aromas and the flavors that, that you get from the hops. But they, they, they really like new trends, they really like trying different things and they they drank it faster than we could produce it and they, they still haven't and it's really only just beginning we've we've hit a very small uh, percent of the population uh, we have plans to branch out and, and, and to get so many more people uh, to try craft beer as the night wears on it's almost time to head back to the airport but this is a city i'll definitely return to soon as tim explains it's a destination going through tremendous change with an intoxicating creative energy. If, if you leave the country for one or two weeks and you come back, you know, there's a new building somewhere or there's just something else opened up that uh, wasn't there when you left. This country changes, you know, kind of on a weekly or monthly basis. So, so, so quickly. There are so many things coming in, so many things expanding and growing and... and like I said, that's why it's such an exciting time to be here and to be part of that. Uh, and and it's it's gonna keep going. I mean, there's there's still so much, so much to be brought here. Uh, for us, we have to, you know, we have to be thinking constantly the next five steps ahead because if someone was to come along and, and do what we're doing today, then okay, that would be fairly easy for them. So we, we are planning our, 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 next, our next moves, our, our strategies to go forward so that we can stay ahead of, of the competition. For Monocle in Ho Chi Minh City, I'm Nolan Giles. And that's all for this week's edition of The Voyager. My thanks to Nolan Giles in Ho Chi Minh City and Toby Hammond here in London. Next week, we're in Muscat. I hope you can join us then. I'm Steve Bloomfield. Until we board the Voyager again, happy travels.